Good morning, podcast land. This is Ryan with Geezers of the Game. Today, we're going to talk teamwork. (laughs) Hey, it's me, Michael Bean, and you're on with Geezers of the Game. Stay frosty. So, in role-playing, I have found teamwork is probably the strongest set of skills that is needed for a great uh, player uh, game. A great playing game, I guess I really should say. Think about it. When you're role-playing with a group of people, if one person is just doing everything, or maybe even a couple people, unless you're one of those people that just enjoy being there and watching, It's not all that fun. (laughs) Matter of fact, it typically becomes frustrating because you may offer uh, suggestions of things to do. You may try to do something, but it doesn't really matter because two people or one person or whatever are kind of hogging the whole game. So let's talk about teamwork. Well, what, what is teamwork? We all know teamwork is working together as a team, right? I mean, that's teamwork. But teamwork really comes down to communication, uh, time management, problem solving, uh, critical thinking, problem solving, critical thinking, kind of the same, Um, collaboration, and then leadership. How do you get these things to work? Well, the first thing is, as a game master, you need to offer clear direction. Um, So when you're giving them something to work on, you know, you're presenting a scene to them, presenting maybe a goal, um, whether it's one that they have chosen to take on in a sandbox style, or if it's a railroad game, whatever, you need to give them clear direction so that they're able to do whatever the objective is. Now, I know going to say, what about red herrings? What about, you know, obstacles? And things like that. Well, yeah, you're going to throw those in, but less is more. Um, think about in a scary movie. In the 80s, we would watch movies like uh, The Thing or Aliens or Alien. And movies like this had one thing majorly in common. You didn't see the monsters in full for or full uh, glory. In fact, you would see the monsters in a uh, obscured view. And why is that? Well, that's because they're not as scary. If you see the whole thing. What's scary about the dark? Not knowing what is there. What's scary about dark water? Not knowing what's there. Once you see it, you're able to deal with it. So, less is always more when it comes to throwing in obstacles, things like that. But it's important that your players know what they're doing. They need to have clear Uh, direction, clear goals, and outcomes that they are trying to reach. You need to encourage your players to communicate honestly with each other. Um, I know there's always going to be a player that wants to have the secret. I have the secret. I'm really the king, but you don't know that because I'm walking around in poverty looking or whatever. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the mission... The players should be together. And if they're not, there should be a good reason. And it should be done in such a way as to not create um, confusion uh, or split the party apart because they're accusing each other. And that can be fun, but it's not fun for long, long bits. It's fun for a good scene or two at most. 
It's just like uh, starting your game out in the tavern where nobody knows anybody. What happens? Well, they all fight because they've got to prove who they are. These are my skills. I'm going to prove it. And it was fine when you were 14. And maybe you're 14. Go ahead and do it. But <laughs> for us that have been gaming for a while, that's not as enjoyable. It's funner to role play. Okay, so defined roles is really the next thing. What do I mean? Well, each character should have their own niche, their own um, lane that they are caring for. Now, that doesn't necessarily, you know, in role or in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you might you have your you have your um, <laughs> whatever they are, your your rogue, your classes. <laughs> Anyways, Dungeons and Dragons, you have your classes, right? And that helps because you are in a defined role. But if you're playing a more open game, that's not always the way it works. Um, we all have sword skills. We all have sneak skills. We all have this and that. Um, and that's fine. But in real life, if you were all going to try to accomplish one goal, would you all run to do the one thing? Well, probably. But should you know? <laughs> when you're at work and you're working as a team to create something, you have different roles um, that you're given to care for. And that's fine. And that's the way it should be. Every, every character should have a defined role, a defined um, uh, piece of the role of the uh, of the objective what they bring to the table how they're going to handle it's their responsibility by breaking up the responsibilities then everybody has an importance and that doesn't mean well the smart guy you're gonna go ahead and do you know the computer hacking <laughs> while that is fine it's not necessarily the act the action so you want to make sure that everybody has action and equally so as much as possible all right um next is mutual accountability so um nobody should be uh, blaming the other character for failure now that doesn't mean that there can't be characterization and uh role-playing moments uh, I can't believe he did that. It's caused everything to fail. That can be great. But as players, they should all be equal participants. Um, so they're mutually accountable for what's going on. Um, and then, like I said, encourage them to communicate freely with each other. They should be able to work on their ideas. And even if you hear them, you shouldn't allow that. As a game master, as a dungeon master shouldn't allow that to overwhelm what you're going to do. Don't make it more difficult because they came up with a grand idea. Let them have their grand idea. Does that mean that you should, uh, shouldn't have the obstacles in front of it? Oh, if you have obstacles planned there, you have obstacles planned there. If it makes sense for something to be there, something will be there to block it. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have their grand, their grand idea. Matter of fact, encourage the grand idea. Let them overcomplicate it and enjoy their victories. Because when they overcomplicate it, that means they've worked hard to get there. And that's what's fun, is working hard and succeeding. Um, let's see. Um, collaboration and team trust. These kind of go together. If your if your players aren't working together to come up with a plan, then it's really just one or two people that are doing it. Um, so you want everybody to be involved. As a game master, you can help this by um, asking, well, what are you thinking as your character to these people that are not talking? So you can get them involved. And then team trust. See, the problem with having the secret villain within the group is it 
oftentimes it's obvious <laughs> that there's an issue. Um, there are great, um, great stories of things that are off, often awesome, but um, where you know somebody pretended to be the friend, they're there to assassinate somebody at the very last second they try it. See, that's awesome, but don't have a character that's constantly in odds because that just creates problems. Unless that's the game you're going for, but I found that that does not work well. Um, now, um, I want to take a little twist here because thinking about interactive uh, games. Um, so if you've done an escape room, and this is a really good way to encourage teamwork because not one person can complete an actual escape room physically by themselves without um, being very skilled <laughs> because typically this, there are so many clues around and not all of them match to the, to the problems. You usually have multiple, multiple puzzles in the room and a lot of different clues and some of them are red herring, some of them aren't. So what it takes is a group of people looking, interacting, trying. See, that's what you want to encourage in your group of players. You want them to interact, to try, to work hard. Because if they're working hard, then they're going to... Or if they're working hard together, <laughs> then they're interacting. Encourage them to interact. Give them things to touch. Even though it's not real, they're still... Give them things to work with. You know, in, in an escape room, there's drawers, there's secret buttons, there's pictures on the wall. So you can do similar things with the scene. Give them things to interact with. Even in combat, you want to give them different terrain pieces. You want to give them... If they're fighting in a village, there's garden hose, there's things like that. There's stuff around. Give them these things to interact with. Um, and you want to prepare for contingencies. So, um, in a, not an escape room, but in like a, in a, in a game where you're giving them a lot of freedom to do whatever they want, you need to be prepared to not worry about it going this to the left or to the right it's okay you can still work with it if they decide to to abandon the quest well then let them abandon the quest because they're following some tiny little thing that you said that you didn't even realize you said it and they're like oh i i want to find the cure for this disease oh yeah i guess i did say that npc had some crazy disease that you'd never heard of you didn't mean it as an actual hook but that's fine move with that give it something to make it fun listen to what their ideas are and use it say great you think it's an evil sorceress that's doing something crazy to create this disease then go with it yep there's an evil sorceress you're right <laughs> give them that prepare for contingencies doesn't mean to prepare a bunch of thoughts or different hooks it means to prepare for the unexpected to happen and go with it. Um, because teamwork, when more people are talking, you're going to hear more ideas. And then keep them engaged with random rewards. Now, in a, in a dungeon crawl, you often run into a chest here and a weapon there. See, these things add... Um, value. All right. And then last but not least, well, maybe not last, urgency. You want to have a sense of urgency for players. Um, in the overall scheme, whatever goal that they're trying to attain for that evening, you want to make sure there's a sense of urgency. Uh, it needs to be done or something will happen. If they ignore it, something will happen. And that's okay if they ignore something. It doesn't have to be, oh my god, everybody dies. <laughs> but there should be a sense of urgency. There should the, the world should continue. And if they don't do something or if they ignore it, 
it should have consequences. Now, what if they get into a situation and they're trying to figure something out that you put in front of them, whether it's uh, um, a puzzle or it's a uh, combat situation or it's a break in, a sneaking thing or whatever it is, and they can't figure it out. Do you fudge the rules and have them accidentally find an unknown trapdoor? Maybe. And maybe that works just fine. But whatever you do, you need to make sure clues are easy to find. Clues should not be um, so well hidden that they miss them altogether. Matter of fact, if anything, they should have too many clues. Clues that don't always match up where they need to put the clues together. Um, but it really depends on your players. If your players are very um, critical thinking type people, they're uh, good at solving puzzles, then make it complex if you're able to. Um, if they are not good at it, if that's not their strong suit as people, well then don't give them a brain teaser that they'll never figure out. That's just gonna lead to frustration and confusion. Might as well just have them roll dice. Um, and then, uh, the last encouragement here is have them move around a little bit, whether you're playing in person or virtually give players some physical movement to do. Okay. So you're going to do what? Show me what that looks like. Now this has many effects. One, it gets them tangibly doing something, physically engaged, super important. Um, two, it can add a, oh, wow, that's an awesome thing. You know, the cool factor. Um, and it can also add a comedy factor. If they're not very good at what they're trying to show, it can be fun to watch them fail at it. Um, now, that doesn't mean if they fail at it, showing you that they're going to fail at it at the role. Their character is not skilled like they are. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And don't make them do things. Don't make them say exactly what they're going to say for a con role. If they're not very charming people, <laughs> they're not good at that. You don't affect their character's role by their inability to do it. That's just not fair. And it suspends belief. But the last bit that physical activity can help uh, engage isn't just the person doing the physical activity. Um, like I said, you know, the laughter, the comedy effect, um, the cool wow factor, but also seeing things elicits more imagination. So the rest of the group will get involved too. They'll be like, you know, if you did this, oh yeah that's a great idea or no, if I do that, then I'll do, this will happen. See, it will get people collaborating with each other. Even if it's just one player's move, <laughs> their attack or their, uh, whatever it is they're doing, you know, their sneak, whatever it gets people engaged. And even virtually, you know, step back from the camera and do what you're going to do. It can be very awesome and encourage that as a game master. All right, so <clears throat> communication, so important. Um, you wanna encourage problem solving by letting them succeed in their solving of the problem. <laughs> Don't make it too difficult for them. Um, you wanna to listen to what they say, because if you hear things that you can use, things that they've come up with, they've overcomplicated it, maybe they've oversimplified it, that's okay. If that makes it better, do it. If not, let them do that oversimplified thought and have it affect them. Um, you want to help them to collaborate. And even though sometimes a player will take the lead, it's your job to be the leader. So what else do we have this week? Well, this episode, we have a special interview with Cattail Press. Um, very interesting. They're doing some fairy tale rewriting with game 
uh, with games. Uh, kind of going off of the uh, more Hans Christian Anderson, I think I said that right, version. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into that interview. Welcome to Geezers of the Game. This is Ryan, your host, and today we have a uh, guest, Krista Martacci of Cattail Press. And uh, welcome to the show, Krista. Oh, thanks for so, so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So how did you get into role-playing? Oh, wow. Um, it's something I never thought I would do. Um, you know, I was raised in the 80s. Uh, and it really wasn't marketed to females so much. And my brother wasn't into that sort of thing. So uh, it's something I, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, but I had friends um, in my adult life who were playing D&D. And when I moved uh, back to New York from grad school, my friend Liam was like, hey, I'm going to start up a campaign. Do you want to play? And I had always had this philosophy. I was like, I really liked board games. And I, so that was my line. I was like, board games are here and D and D and magic are over there. And I'm just going to stay over here. And, uh, and then he, you know, he sweet talked me into playing. And then four years later, here I am sitting on this podcast talking about two things I've published. So I went all in, um, for sure. <laughs> so you've been playing for about four years now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you really did go all in. I did, because um, I still feel really new with it. So it's uh, it's been quite a learning curve. I play in with two groups of people um, very regularly. We have an online game with some of my grad school friends and then a Brooklyn game with um, some people that live around here. And um, yeah, so I, I have three campaigns going in rotation because one of them alternates campaigns so it's very intense all of a sudden and then I have the writing on the side at this point right right so uh so you grew up in the 80s <laughs> didn't we all yeah <laughs> yeah I'm a 70s baby so yeah uh, I was born in the 70s yeah. so yeah. here we go dating myself <laughs> oh that's okay it, we're we're not called geezers of the game for no particular reason. Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, about your publishing company, your press, Cattail Press. What led you down that path, and uh, what your uh, your ultimate goal is? Ooh, um, those were a lot of questions. So okay. I started. Um, I started by writing a one shot for my friends. Uh, there was a Christmas vacation where I had two weeks off um, and I was, you know, pretty bored. I was actually decided to stay home that year. I didn't even like travel. It was amazing. Um, little did I know the next year would be a pandemic and I wouldn't be able to do that that year either. So, well, whatever. Um, so I was home and I watched, uh, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, which was like Liam O'Brien on Critical Role decided to like have this Christmas theme thing and it was Christmas time. So I decided to watch it and it was super cute and entertaining. And so from there I was like, oh, elves, like I liked the way he turned something that was like not D&D &D into D&D. &D. So he took Santa's elves and turned them into D&D &D elves. And I really liked that concept. So I started like my brain, which doesn't ever shut up, decided to try and like think of you know what else could you do that with and like then I settled on like oh snow white dwarves would be really fun um you could play the seven dwarves and like do this whole adventure based on this fairy tale but you know I don't I wasn't totally satisfied with the Disney version so I went for all in Not with the grim like horror yeah. yeah. themed version more like <laughs> um that's more my style so uh so then I Immediately, like I think the next day I had to be in the city anyway. So I went to my local bookstore, got my first copy of my DM's guide from um, the 20 sided store, which is a Brooklyn store here. And I saw them uh, on your website. Yeah, they're great. Um, chatted with the owner about writing this whole thing. We sat and talked for like 30 to 45 minutes, I think, um, on Christmas Eve. And so then on Christmas Day, I started writing. Um, 
So yeah, and that's that's kind of where it started. So I started writing a one shot. Of course, one shots are really hard to write. Um, so it turned into a you know one shot three session thing, <laughs> and then and then I put it away and we we played it and like it was fun. And then I just kind of shelved it. Um, and that was in twenty nine Christmas twenty nineteen. And then of course the world changed, yep. um, and I had a lot of free time. Um, so I decided, well, I pulled it off the shelf to play with my other group because we needed something in between a couple campaigns. And I was like, maybe my friend Liam was like, why don't you, you already have this written. Like, why don't you just publish it somewhere? And I was like, this is a great idea. I don't know why it was a great idea, but it was a great idea. And so this past Thanksgiving and Christmas breaks, like I started putting it together of course, I had to rewrite almost all of it because I was using proprietary lore and things like that. And right. so I had to like, you know, not get sued by Wizards of the Coast. And like, um, I had to read up on all the legal things and all that stuff. And so then it turned into, and then I had to learn how to publish a book, which was something I've never done. Um, but as a kid, somewhere around like 10 or 12, I was like fascinated with writing. And I thought I would write a book at some point. I don't know. And that never happened until now. Um, you succeeded. So yeah, that's how it all started. Very cool. So what? Uh, so you've got two books under your belt. So uh, what's your what's your big goal? Just to keep writing, or is it to become Wizard of the Coast? I have Coast? no idea what my goal is. <laughs> <laughs> I think my goal is to just do it because it's fun or do it until it's not fun mm. um i mean i i don't ever expect to be famous or successful at this or even like make lots of money on this i know that's like out of reach but like i think my goal is just to like um create this world that i have like it's something i have created and control like have control over and like I also kind of enjoy making like the publishing plan and like the marketing plan. I mean, I don't love marketing, but I like kind of making a plan and like following it through because at work, I don't get full control of, you know, our product. So like here, this is my product. I get to like work on it, write it, um, create this entire, like I'm trying to like develop a universe that's like, every story adds like more characters, more things. I'm tracking timelines in the background so that like things can start maybe like weaving together potentially. Um, I don't know. So the, I, the goal is just to create the world, maybe expand from grim stories to other, uh, other authors or other like, even other cultures like fairy tales and things. So there's always that, but I'm gonna start small and just kind of see where it goes um yeah very cool that's very cool actually um i think i think if you're doing it for fun and because you love it you're more likely to enjoy it uh, anytime you start throwing in the the i have to <laughs> it loses it yeah that's that's very true um i mean yeah. we'd all love to just make you know a living off of doing what we love but <laughs> yeah. yeah i know that's totally unreasonable <laughs> yeah there's there's all of us would love to do it and i think there's probably less than one percent that does it <laughs> yeah i do love my like normal job which is like data engineering it's a lot of problem solving so this is kind of a nice change because it's more creative and less technical um what kind yeah. of data engineering um, I work for a company that focuses on like creating content and like, um, helping people with learning and thinking differences. Hmm. Um, they're called understood, uh, and they're, they're a nonprofit. And, um, so my job is to make sure that people can make decisions based off of data, not just off feelings. And so I help aggregate all of our content and our, um, you know, any, all of our web, like analytics and things like that. And like, I offer it up to the data scientists and data analytics to do their analyses. Um, so I'm the guy in the background. That's exactly <laughs> what my wife would love to do. I think. Um, <laughs> so what do you have planned to come up 
Any new projects you're working on? Spoilers? <laughs> um, I did like two days ago release a new the second story, so mm -hmm. that's very new. I was getting trying to get it out before uh, the Christmas in July sale that Drive Through RPG always has. Yeah. Um. So it's out. Uh. And then I'm still like working through like some supplemental stuff. Like I'm making some races. I'm taking the races from that story and just having them available if people want to have them. Um, and I've done all the subclasses already and I put them on D and D beyond too. So people can like put them in their character sheets, make it easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause programming on D and D beyond is not the easiest thing to do, but like once you get the hang of it, it's fine. So I'd rather just, I'll do it for you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> And then I think I'm going to take a slight break to do some like regrouping and like basically like a one person postmortem and like, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out how to like uh, see what's next and like, um, yeah. So, and like do some stuff around the house that I've been avoiding. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, start researching. You had all of COVID and you still have stuff around the house that you got to do. Yeah, I know. You'd think I'd keep <laughs> up, but. Yeah. I didn't yeah. do any of the things I was supposed to do. No. Yeah, they have all those memes. They're like, if I just had a day to myself, I could do all these things. And then you're like, nope, that actually wasn't what it was. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't how that worked at all. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. You speak meme. What's wrong with you? I know. Uh, it's because I have to be on Twitter now. and. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. I just, I still feel old. Yeah, that's a whole new world for me. I don't even think I was on Twitter until two months ago. And I was like, whoa. Me too. That's about oh, okay. what I got on too. I was like, well, this is way different than I expected. <laughs> yeah. It, it's been um, insightful. I find Instagram a little less chaotic. Um, yeah. And it's more about like the images and pictures, which I, I right. like. Um, but it's, yeah, it's actually, like a very evil. Three of the big ones have their own completely own personality i've noticed especially in the gaming space actually i just started with uh tiktok videos and they're super accepting you know how twitter is very accepting i mean they they're like you know do those things where it's like here look at these new people <laughs> you know yeah. um but uh tiktok is different you don't you don't get that kind of thing but as soon as they find you they like follow you like right away so oh nice yeah. I haven't I haven't explored the TikTok space yet. You're not doing the TikTok dances? No. I just post content from the uh podcast pretty much. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Oh, it might be next. I'm not sure. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I understand. It's not for everybody. <laughs> I, uh, and if yeah, you're not I doing that kind of thing, it probably doesn't do a lot unless you're like into, you know, media type things like uh, singing, dancing, whatever. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder what will be next. <laughs> I think it'll be something like, uh, like altered carbon where we go from other bodies. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I know. Scary. <laughs> So uh, the uh, the books. Tell us about the books. What uh, yeah. what are the titles? Where do we find them? Sure. Um, two books. One of them is in print copy, and only only one of them so far. I had a little mishap with the the new one, and so I'm trying to figure out how to get it printed in a nice way. Um, so both. So they're both start with the kingdom of Grimsby, which I understand at some point is going to get wordy and overused, but here we are. Well, then uh, you abbreviate it with, yeah, you know, K-O-G, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when I'm cool enough that people know what that means, I've made it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm just, I'll just be excited if someone else ever uses the hashtag. <laughs> oh, do you me. have that hashtag? I did. Yeah, I start. I decided, like, it would be smart to start using the hashtag just so there's like a history of the hashtag. So right. when somebody looks it up, they're like, Oh yeah, someone's using this hashtag. Is it K O G? Um, no, I just, I just write it out. Um, oh, okay. Sh should you, I should see if it means anything else on Twitter. Actually. You should. <laughs> yes. 
um, I know the full name is fine. Uh, so yeah, so I have two books. They're The Kingdom of Grimsby, Snow White, and The Kingdom of Grimsby, Bremen Town Musicians. Um, they are both based off of um, grim fairy tales. Um, you know, the real grim fairy tales. Right. Um, so the gruesome some ones. of them are, some of them can be a bit weird and some of them can be actually pretty horror focused. So, um, so Snow White is a like eight to 12 session, depending on the group's uh, adventure. It's like three pretty decent chapters where you get to play the six out of the seven dwarves. Um, you know, the one that's modeled after Doc stays, he's just like helps you get out of town and like that makes sense. You out. And then you play the other six. I couldn't, of course, call them what this, the Disney versions do to you. Couldn't be dopey. I mean, it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear who's who, but you know, <laughs> hopefully Disney doesn't think it's very clear. Um, and then, so yeah, you start your adventure. You're like, oh man, our friend is missing. But I mean, the players all know it's Snow White, to be honest, but like the characters don't know. And so they start this adventure. And then what they don't realize is she's like from a royal family and like all this fun stuff. And she's just been hiding out in your village. And so then you get led on this like path to, you know, go figure out where she went and then save the kingdom a little bit from some hags that have taken over. And the hags are based off of another grim fairy tale. Um, that uh is called one eye two eye three eyes it's not as common but i, I actually really know like the it. title but i don't actually know what it is yeah it's these like these uh there's a woman a blind woman i think she's blind has three children and there were uh three women and they um they're the the two the one with the one eyes and the one with the three eyes hate the one with the two eyes because she is normal and beautiful and um i mean this is the fairy tale thing i can't right. help grim put together uh and so they're really mean to her and like you know she she finally like she gets swept away by a knight at some point and but she you know there's other various details that i've in entwined into the adventure Very life cool. and then the second book is um i really uh I like the story of the Bremen Town Musicians. I think in my head, I embellished it from when I was a kid, probably because someone made a cartoon about it that was like way better than the story. But like, if you read the Grimm story, it's not, it's not that long, but it's a, you know, a donkey meets a hound meets a cat meets a rooster. Right. But in the fairy tale, they're all like old and abused animals who are like either running away from their homes or, you know, I think they're all running away actually um, because they're going to either be like, you know, killed for dinner or like, you know, right. something like that. And so a little that animal, like, uh, the little animal farm type feel. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I was like, oh, God, that's really sad. So it made my backstories really sad for those characters. Cause I made the character sheets, but I, what I wanted to do is like give these animals like a happy ending in the story. And so um, I made sure like, whatever like I tried to build their backstory so that in even though it's only like a five to seven hour like session you could do it in a on a Saturday if you wanted to like um they, they all kind of get like a happy ending and then I added a couple extra characters in case there are more than four players but um I really like that idea of making sure well one like all the characters have a skill that shines at some point or right. has hero moments and like has something in the adventure that like is for them. Um, and so I can, I can do that because I write the character backstories and the adventures. So right. and, and I know DMs do this because they, you know, potentially work with their players and make sure it's all woven in ideally, I guess some people don't, I don't think. Typically. But, Good. DM, um, yeah. So yeah, so I like the idea of like making sure they're part of the adventure. Um, yeah. Very cool. So where can we find all of your stuff? Oh yeah, so the um, PDF and print on demands for Snow White and then the PDF 
for the Bremen Town musicians are available on Drive Through RPG. Um, and then you can, if you live in Brooklyn, you can go to 20 Sided Store and buy the print copy of um, Snow White. Or if you live in Middlebury, Vermont, you can go to Tinker and Smithy to get, um, to get the print copy of Snow White. Um, yeah. How is it that it comes to be in Vermont? <laughs> so I did visit Vermont. Uh, I was in Vermont for a month um, in June because I will potentially move to the state. And, uh, and that game shop is like the owner of that game shop's like really into like D and D and like running games and stuff. And so he, and he's like, knows one of my friends. So it was kind of, I just went no in brainer. and he was like, yeah, sure. I'll sell it. Whatever. <laughs> I was like, that was easy. Um, <laughs> so that is how it ended up in Vermont. Very cool. So we've got Tinker and Smithy, um, drive through RPG. And then Brooklyn 20 sided. Yeah. And then uh, your website, do you also sell e-commerce there? I don't, um, I don't think I'm ready for that. I actually like don't have the time to manage like packaging and shipping. And um, I did a lot of it in the pandemic, just on like getting rid of stuff out of my house on eBay. And it was a lot of work. Um, So I think this is a problem. This is like an issue. I'll just throw money at and let someone else do it for me for a bit until I like, yeah and analyze the cost benefits of doing it myself um very yeah no that's very true so have you ever thought about doing a live stream of one of your games oh i don't feel like i'm a prepared enough dm to run it i would love to play one of my games and like just be a player even though i know the spoilers but like i think it'd be fun to watch someone else run my game i really want to get my dm friends to run them when I play test them instead of me, but like, there's never time to let to them see enough. My- yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, sh- I, I'm not normally like in the spotlight. I've always had careers where I was hiding, like being an engineer or like, Oh wait, let being, me get a flashlight here. Hold on. Being a stage hand or like, I've always been hiding. Now you're <laughs> in the spotlight. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if I, I don't know. If you want to be spotlighted. Yeah. I feel like if someone asked me nicely, I would probably join a group. (laughs) I I think I'd have to be like, I don't think I would initiate it myself, um, but I, I would probably try it. Well, you should totally um, put together your group and live stream it. (laughs) <laughs> or even or even just record it and edit it how you wish uh mm. just even just the first episodes because i oh, know right. a lot of people would love to see that and then they'd be interested to get it for themselves right you know those kinds of things i'm i do a little bit of marketing in my job so <laughs> a little bit a little bit, just a little bit. so you yeah. know i'm thinking of those things all the time yeah, I also like wonder and would love feedback from like anybody about like what DMs look for in adventures, like too much detail, not enough detail, like or like what there's both stuff. camps. Yeah, I know there's both camps, so I'm probably gonna get like a pretty large spectrum. Yes. Are you more of a linear here you gotta go this, 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 or do you give more of a sandbox feel? Um, that's a good question. I want to be a sandbox. I want to build sandboxes. However, I think currently, well, I think the Snow White story is pretty linear. Um, I think there's a progression. Uh, and I think that's because I was like, very new at writing and like, like sandboxes are scarier to I think me as a new DM than like, because there's, you can do anything. Um, whereas a linear, you can just like, you know what's how you know where you're going. Um, I you think, just have to put that new hook to make sure they're in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah, and but like with the 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 Bremen Town musicians, I tried to even though it's only one location because it's a five hour to seven hour adventure. I tried to just like create the location, and they can just go in and do whatever they want. And then I have separately the encounters with NPCs not built into the location anywhere. 
I have them separate. You can just throw them in whenever you want or, you know, order them however you want. So I tried to get that less linear and just like characters who show up and they'll do what they want and they'll find whatever they find um, in whatever order they get to. Um, yeah. And, and that's yeah, a so good I, way to do it because then it, it, it helps a DM to have enough information, enough things to grab and it gives them some freedom so the group yeah. can do whatever they need to do or whatever they decided because no group does exactly what you tell them to do that is very true um, especially if you have game hogs like me um we tend to burn and pillage your town and move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was talk about burning the cabin down in in Bremontown musicians by my players i actually think they did it at the end they were did like they? this is nice. what we're gonna do um, it's what my character would do. <laughs> it's a valid ending. I believe I've had characters burn down locations as well because they were evil. Um, I did it in Strahd. Um, did you? Threw up a spider web and threw some produced flame in it and down it went. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Curse of those Strahd, hags, that's what it's called. Yeah, those hags haunted us for the rest of the campaign. <laughs> they did. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah one thing i learned though is like i wanted to make sure like my stories and books were like organized in a way that was helpful i know i've been like prepping a particular wizards of the coast book that has is a bit hard to pick apart and and like it says it's a little sandboxy but it seems very linear to me so i'm actually like trying to convert it to a more sandbox thing for my group whenever we run it which might be in like a year yeah, I think sandboxes can be super challenging if you have expectations. <laughs> but you can't yeah. have no expectations because then nothing will happen unless you have very strong players that just have an idea and they go for it. But yeah, uh, you have to have some ideas and some world to give them, but it doesn't have to be uh, set in stone you can let them fill in a lot of the blanks kind of i always think of it kind of like a mad lib <laughs> you know where you have you have a theme you know it's like a star wars theme or whatever the theme is and then you have a couple prompts and they fill in the adjectives the verbs and sometimes the now yeah. <laughs> or those weird unnamed NPCs where you're like, yeah, uh, Billy is. Yeah, is Billy. Character. I don't know why you're talking to this guy. I didn't even we think he existed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just change the accent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Very um, cool. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to checking out your adventures and uh, especially the animal ones. I like animals. Nice. <laughs> I thought and it would be fun to be an animal and not just like. Not your typical thing. Yeah. Did you actually do it as though they're animals or not people? I rewrote the races. So I made an animal race for um, the all six of the characters I wrote. So you are playing a donkey or a hound or a rooster or a cat or a giant owl or a raven. Um, so I know there has to be some the imagination there. So you um, have to do something else. What's that? I said then there's no sword wielding, so you got to use what you got. You know, they all have like built-in um, attack rolls, so you could because they start with nothing because they're traveling and they're not—they're actually not adventurers. They just have these weird powers. I don't know D and D, um, <laughs> and so I do like let them wear armor and like wield weapons if because there are some to be found throughout mm -hmm. the location. So um, I didn't feel like it was necessary to restrict that too much, but like, yeah, I mean, it's the donkey in it is like a loot player, how that works. I'm not really sure, but like, that's what it was in the Grimm story. So I just, all went. I can think of is Shrek. I don't know why. Pretty close. Oh, <laughs> well, not really. Uh, <laughs> I can see it. I see the relation. <laughs> nice. Too funny. I didn't, I didn't steal anything from Shrek, though. I didn't think you did. You said you did much legal work. <laughs> I understand. A little bit. Yeah, um, you really have to be careful because people will come after you. Yeah, you get popular I, enough. That was that was a whole new world. I had to like somebody has some really 
I know he says it's not for legal advice, but like someone has some really good videos about how to use the open gaming. I like. found a couple guys. One guy is really good. He talks about um, um, copyright law, and mm -hmm. he says this is you know exactly that. It's not legal advice. I'm just telling you what <laughs> for entertainment purposes. With copyright yeah, my law. job does give us like these this company that like can give us legal advice so i did talk to one of them about copyright and like intellectual property briefly about it just to be sure um so that was kind of reassuring but then like this guy's videos like it's total like 25 minutes of just like explaining this two-page legal document because i see legal documents and my eyes cross and i don't want to read them because it's, it's like cook. yeah it really yeah. is and uh it it might as well be a foreign language that I don't know. And so I sat down and like spent a few hours picking it apart. And I was like, Oh, now I understand how to do this a little bit. A little bit. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, where, so tell us again where we can find your product and where we can find you. Yes. So Not I location. <laughs> I will not tell you my Latin lawn. Um, I you can find my books, uh, Kingdom of Grimsby Snow White and Kingdom of Grimsby uh, Bremen Town Musicians on Drive Through RPG as a PDF. Um, Snow White is in print on Drive Through RPG as well as at Twenty Sided Store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or Tinker and Smithy in Middlebury, Vermont. Um, where you can find me, I do have a web page, uh, old school, cattailpress.com. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, cattailpress, or on Instagram as well. I hope everybody checks out Cattail Press. And thank you so much, Krista, for coming on the show. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Maybe we will cross paths and play a game together someday. <laughs> that would be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> All right, thanks. Well, as always, this is geezers of the game so thank you for listening in and uh keep on rolling your dice there's some other catchphrase here this has been a geezers of the game production if you'd like to support us please find us on patreon or buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com <laughs>